Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mind Flow with Joe. I'm your host, Josie Libero, and on this episode, I get to have my supervisor and mentor, Dr. Francesca Maresca, on to talk about ovulation, menstruation, and much more. Um, I think that I did things a little backwards, I'll admit it, um, but I think it's really, really important that in order to understand birth control and birth control methods, you have to understand what's actually happening in the body that is being suppressed. So it's ovulation that's being suppressed in most of these hormonal birth controls. And so in order to understand that, you kind of have to understand the menstrual cycle and then ovulation at large. So on this episode, Dr. Francesca Maresca helps us break it down a little bit and answer some questions about um, the fertility awareness methods. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, that is literally so much awesome. better. I'm Good. glad we did this. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you about is, what is it like to do sexual health education work with college <laughs> students? And what is, what, is, what is that experience like? It's actually pretty awesome. I have to say, you know, I wound up with a dream job not knowing it was my dream job. Yes. And even though it's not, it's not the only thing I do, um, with college students, it's probably one of my favorite things that I do. Because what I find by far is that most of the students I work with, and you know, you, you see a lot of the students I work with too, um, they don't have really good comprehensive sexual and reproductive um, health education. So they're, they're coming into college at a time when people assume they know everything. And really sure. they don't. And I think that causes a lot of pain and shame and embarrassment for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So being able to offer people a space where you could ask me anything or we could talk about anything and I am more than happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have been asked, I can't even begin to tell you some of the questions I have been asked and you would think you would think somebody would know and they don't. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so can you maybe tell me like, what is like one of like the biggest misconceptions like in working with college students that they have around sex? Um, hmm. I know it's hard. There's so many. I know. I'm like, there's so many things we, we think we know and then don't. Um, so I think, I think there's a couple. Um, I think that people automatically assume that we're going to know what to do during sex to make it feel good. Yeah. That it, well, like we should just know this somehow. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about sex because of porn. Yeah. So if people, and I'm, I'm, I'm zero judging on porn. I really am. Enjoy it. Knock yourselves out. Um, but you know, if you watch porn and that's how you're learning about sex, you learn things that are not what I want to say normative for the general population. So even like body size and like the shape yeah. and size of breasts or a penis or, you know, not everybody's going to have pubic hair um, shaved down in the shape of a heart and dyed red. Um, you know, that's, that's not what I want to call. Um, I'm not saying it's abnormal. It's just not common am amongst the population. You know, for most people, sex doesn't last for an hour. 
for most people, yeah. sex doesn't even last 15 minutes. Um, yeah. So if you, if you watch porn, you think everybody should be incredibly well endowed, um, incredibly flexible. Like you should be able to have sex in just like any position that you can put your body in um, and that it's going to last forever and ever. And it's, it's not like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel like before I even like had your class, I I thought that I thought all those things. I was like, oh, sex is supposed to be like a billion years and just never stop. And then I yeah. fixed myself, and I was like, that literally doesn't make sense. I don't want it to last that long. <laughs> like, hold on, like wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, that's not enjoyable, actually. Um, no, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, so. Could you break down for me? What is menstruation? Like, what is the menstrual cycle? Okay. So the menstrual cycle is when people who have a uterus um, go through this cycle on a, I want to say, I'm going to say monthly, but then I'm going to explain it might not be monthly for some people, on a fairly regular uh, schedule where the body prepares to possibly have a fertilized egg in a pregnancy. This is not something we really control in any way unless we take hormonal contraception, which suppresses part of the menstrual cycle. So what happens is we have day one of the menstrual cycle, right? This is just day one. Um, and on day one is when somebody starts to bleed. And even how people bleed varies. If I put you know, 20 female bodied people or 20 people who have a uterus in a room, I'd find, you know, 15 different ways that people have a period. So for some people, they might spot for a few days before they have what we call a full on flow. For other people, it's like, boom, they are in the period, right? It's like the blood is coming. There's no stopping yeah. it. Other people, it might be like, oh, I get a light period for three days and it's, you know, rainbows and unicorns and sprinkles. Um, but everybody experiences their period differently. So, and, and they might bleed for you know, three days, five days, six days, seven days. It really depends. Um, so that's from day one to whatever they stop. So let's just say day seven, just, you know, for, for whatever sake. Anywhere from day 10 to day 25 after the first day that somebody has their period, they ovulate. Now, everybody hears about the 28-day cycle, right? You're supposed yeah. to get a period every four weeks. Um, the vast majority of the population is not on a 28-day cycle. Yeah. And that, that variance, that the part that makes it different for everybody is when we ovulate. So somebody might ovulate 10 days after, you know, on day 10 of the cycle. Um, and then everybody pretty much gets their period 13 to 15 days after they ovulate. So if you get your period on day 10... And you, um, I'm sorry, if you ovulate on day 10, you're going to get your period um, 15 days later. Guess what? You have a 25-day cycle. Mm -hmm. If you ovulate on day 25 and then get your period again 15 days later, you've got a 42-day cycle, which is six weeks. Yeah. Or you could be anywhere in there. And people get, like, really freaked out and we're convinced something's wrong with us mm -hmm. if we don't have a four-week cycle. And there's nothing wrong with us. It's just the way our body is functioning. Um, and I do want to point out when we ovulate, that is when uh, we are most, we have the, the biggest chance of becoming pregnant from unprotected sex. Yeah. So it's about, oh, I want to say like over a third, like 30 something percent. Um, so one in three women um, having unprotected sex when they are ovulating is going to get pregnant. Those are really good odds. They're really good odds. Super good odds. Yeah. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a question I get often is like, what actually is like our period blood? Is it blood? Is it something mm-hmm. else? So what it's, exactly is that? It's blood and it is um, endometrial tissue. Those are the clumpies, right? We don't like to think about it that way. So yeah. it is blood. So yes, the uterine lining builds up. So part of the menstrual cycle is hormones are happening, right? And we have increases in, um, actually in the first half, progesterone, um, and that helps build up the uterine lining. And then in the second half of the cycle, estrogen kicks in, and that also builds up the uterine lining. Um, the progesterone drops, and that's actually what lets us um, ovulate. So if our progesterone remained high, we would not ovulate. So that uterine lining starts building up. And I use the term juicy, and people get really freaked out by that. But we want a juicy uterus. So if an egg does happen to be fertilized, it has a really great place to implant because you want that. It needs the nutrients. It needs this like nice, cushy, juicy home to implant in. Um, And so when no fertilization takes place, the hormones drop, and then we start shedding the lining of the uterus. So it's blood. And it's endometrial tissue. And some people, you know, some of us know, we get our period and we're like, what is in this? We actually see clumps. Um, And it is clumps. It's clumps of tissue. And it's normal. It's it's not abnormal in any way. And on average, uh, when we get our period, we bleed out about four to six tablespoons of blood and endometrial tissue. Um, So yeah, that's the average. I know it's an average. Some people are going to bleed more. Some people are going to bleed less. And if somebody's using hormonal contraception, their period might be extraordinarily light and short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if somebody is on birth control and they are no longer getting their period, so are, are they no longer ovulating? And like, is that mm-hmm. okay? It's totally okay. And so, yes. Yeah, so the first thing I want to say is if you're on hormonal contraception and you've stopped getting a period, it is normal. Okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You haven't broken your ovaries. Nothing has happened to you. Um, but for some people, and we talk about this in class a lot, a period equals peace of mind. Yeah. So anytime people don't get a period, they are absolutely convinced they are pregnant. It doesn't matter if they haven't had sex in eight months, they're pregnant. Yeah. Um, so it is normal to stop. Some people, like I said, it'll get lighter, it'll get shorter, but other people, it might stop altogether because you're suppressing ovulation. And when you suppress ovulation, you don't go through all the other stuff, yeah. right? The progesterone levels stay even. The estrogen levels are staying even. It's all connected. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's not unhealthy. It is not unhealthy. I know people ask me, um, are they ruining their fertility? Are they doing something, yeah. you know, to their ovaries? Or is their uterus being impacted because they're not getting a period due to hormonal contraception. And no, you're not doing anything bad to your body. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <clears throat> so if we ovulate between like day 10 and day 25, is there a way for us to figure out if we're ovulating? There are. There's a couple of different ways. And it depends on how patient you are and whether or not you mind touching your vagina. So there's a couple of things that happens to our bodies when we are ovulating. The first thing actually is um, we have a slight spike in our basal body temperature. And this is the temperature of our body when it is at complete rest. The only time we can take our basal body temperature is first thing in the morning before we even sit up in bed. If we do even that, we sit up and we swing our legs over the side, we're a body in motion. We're no longer a body at rest. 
So um, usually people who are tracking their ovulation have a specific thermometer. It's a basal body temperature thermometer. And they just they keep it right next to the bed and they kind of reach an arm out and they grab it and they stick it in their mouth. And the temperature only varies like a few degrees, one, two, three degrees, but it's enough for somebody to know that they're ovulating. The second thing that happens is we might experience something called middle schmerz. And that means middle pain. And some people might actually feel a stitch or a cramp in the side in which they're ovulating. So, and our bodies actually do switch. They, they alternate ovary sides. Yeah. Might be my right side in March and maybe, you know, next month in April, it's going to be my left side, whatever. Um, so we may feel it. We may not, or we do feel it and we just don't have any clue what it is because it doesn't really last very long. Yeah. But the third thing that happens that is really easily seen and felt is our cervical mucus thins. So okay. if anybody's watching and I make everybody do this in class, I want you to all touch your nose. Okay, do this. Okay. This is actually what the cervix feels like. Think of it like a, a little tiny donut and the, the hole is kind of squinched shut. And that hole is plugged up with cervical mucus. When we're not ovulating, it's really thick. It's like that pasty uh, glue, that white glue that used to come in the big jar when we were in kindergarten before we could be trusted with Elmer's. Um, that's how thick it is. It plugs up the os, the doorway or the opening of the uterus. When we ovulate, it thins out. Not only does it thin out, we get lots of it, and it becomes really slick, clear, mm -hmm. Um and it's like, if, it's like if you took it between your fingers and did this, you would see it was stringy, like egg whites yeah. kind of thing. Um, so some people notice that. You know, they'll go to the bathroom and they wipe and they're like, whoa, what is this? Or maybe they masturbated and they're like, what is all this stuff coming out of me? Um, totally normal. It's cervical mucus. Um, and what it does, it, it thins out. So if somebody did want to become pregnant and they had unprotected sex, sperm can easily pass through that cervical mucus. Mm -hmm. and get through the cervix on its way into the uterus and fallopian tubes. Makes sense. So thinking about the um, fertility awareness methods or the calendar method, mm -hmm. et cetera, how, how reliable are these methods? Like how reliable is tracking your uh, menstrual cycle? It, it's all about the person and how, um, how committed you will be to tracking your cycle. So I do not recommend the calendar method or, or fertility planning to anyone unless they are willing to track their menstrual cycle for a minimum of six months. I'd really like to see it for a year, but six months, you should have a general sense of your cycle. And once you know what your cycle is, once you see it plotted out on a calendar, you can work backwards to know when your ovulation is taking place. And then you plan for that. You plan to not have sex in the days before you ovulate, the days you ovulate, and the days after ovulation. And that's because um, the egg is capable of surviving, hanging out in the fallopian tube. It's just sitting there waiting um, for three days. It's viable for fertilization. Mm. Sperm can live in the human body, in a human uh, body with a uterus, anywhere from three to five days. So let's just say, you know, I'm going to use you as an example. I'm sorry. Say you have um, sex today and you ovulate yeah. tomorrow. You could become pregnant. Say <sighs> you ovulated today and you do not have sex until Sunday. You can become pregnant. Yeah. So we need to have a buffer zone on either side. So it's also people's willingness to not have sex with somebody who has a penis and sperm, really. Yeah. So it's really that time you're refraining from sex might be as much as eight days. 
Okay. Um, so if you are going to be sexually active during this time, either you have to refrain from penetrative penis vagina sex. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to use a condom consistently. If you do decide you want to do this, you have to use a condom as your method of contraception. Um, or you, you, you have other kinds of sex. You have oral sex, you have anal sex, you mutually yeah. masturbate, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Um, so... So you said like to potentially use a condom. So for people who don't want to use a condom and want to just do the fertility awareness method, is pulling out enough or is it's not enough? It's not enough. And, you know, I do understand for some people pulling out or withdrawal is what they've got yeah. or what they're willing to use. I, I understand that. But if you want to talk about odds, in <laughs> one year, um, people using the withdrawal method as their sole method of contraception, seven out of 10 people will become pregnant. So that's a 70% chance of unintentional pregnancy from withdrawal. Again, I always say, I want those odds for the lottery. I'm not going to get them. Yeah. But for an unintentional pregnancy, I'm going to get them. Um, so there's a couple of reasons for this. One, not everybody knows exactly when they're going to orgasm, ejaculate, or come. They don't. And sometimes a lot of people are taken by surprise by this. They think they're going to do it. They're going to make it. I'm going to pull out before this happens. And then, nope, it doesn't work that way. The second reason it's an issue, and let me see if I can explain this because I confuse myself. If you're going to use withdrawal the first time you have sex with somebody, like in that day, I don't mean like first time you ever have sex, but yeah. the first time you're having sex that day, there's not necessarily going to be sperm left in the urethra from any ejaculation mm -hmm. unless you masturbated right before. Okay. Mm. But after that, say you have sex again. Oh, you're, you know, you had nothing else to do today. We're just going to lay around in bed and we're just, you know, we're going to have sex today. It's a great day for that. It's cold out. Um, the next time you have sex, there is leftover sperm in the urethra. So then when you have pre-ejaculate or pre-cum, which kind of looks like a clear, maybe slightly cloud, cloudy fluid on the tip of the penis, wait, even maybe, like within minutes of having an erection, you could have pre-ejaculate. There's wow. sperm in there. There's also potentially sexually transmitted infections in there. And then you could get somebody pregnant. Um, so there's that aspect of it as well. So it's not necessarily the most reliable method of contraception. And I do, I always have to mention STIs unless you've yeah. been tested and you've both been tested and you know, okay, I, I don't have any STIs and you, yeah. you know, you're in a mutually monogamous relationship um, then that's not as much of a risk, but it, it does add to, it, it adds to what you might have to worry about. Yeah, that makes sense. So I mentioned like at the very beginning how, you know, when we're in like fifth or fourth grade, we're pulled into a separate mm -hmm. room. And um, if you are female bodied, you're taught about the menstrual cycle and if you're male bodied, I still don't know what they talk about in there, but um, it's a mystery. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't really know. Um, but why do you think that, uh, boys or male-bodied people are not taught about the menstrual cycle? And, like, do you think we should change that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think they're not taught about it because they, they want to make it – this is, like, women's business kind of thing. And yeah. I think, too, you know, like, we're, we're given a lot of shame and secrecy around getting our periods. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to be your mom. And, you know. <laughs> Yeah.
that has not changed in all the decades from when I went through the talk in grammar school. I'm like actually horrified that after all these years, it's still the same. So we create a shame. We create secrecy. We make it feel like it's something that, you know, somebody with a penis never has to worry about. They don't have to think about it. It's our problem, so to speak. Um, And it also kind of creates this, this culture where not only is menstruating our problem, but also pregnancy is our problem or preventing pregnancy is our problem. So think about how different it would be if, now I'm not saying we need to put fourth fourth and fifth graders in the same room together initially. I don't, because there is a lot of like, (laughs) you know, and you know, we're doofy and we're all nervous and jerky about it. But I do think before we are out of middle school, we should start having these conversations together because that reduces a lot of the mystery and a lot of the shame around it. Um, And, you know, think about how different it would be if when we have a partner, when we could talk about our periods. And I also want to involve you in our contraceptive decisions. Yeah. Because last I checked, it still takes two people for the most part for a pregnancy to occur. No, absolutely. You're completely right. Um, So another question I get often, which you kind of answered, but I just want to like drive it home. Can Mm -hmm. you get pregnant if you are on your period? Yeah, you can. Is it likely? No. Can it happen? Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons it can happen is because the body is actually um, capable of ovulating at any given time. Yeah. So there is always, always a slim chance that you could ovulate when you have your period. Um, though we, I do, you know, I do know people who are like, well, that I, that's when I have sex, so I don't have to worry. Um, but it's, it's a tiny risk, yeah. but it is out there. And I think, you know, if we talk to people, we all know someone who got pregnant um, after they had sex when they had their period. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't, I don't think that anybody listening or who's going to watch this thinks that this is true, but I just want to say it because you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have sex and then you pee after, can you get pregnant? Yes, because it's two separate holes. Okay. So somebody with a penis, they ejaculate and they urinate out of the urethra. Same tube, same highway. Cars are all traveling in the same, same highway. Yeah. Somebody who has a vagina has a urethra Mm -hmm. and then they have a vaginal canal. Now they're very close to one another. It's, I always say it's like real estate. It's all about location and they're only separated by a thin wall. Um, so the urethra is the tiny opening on top. Okay. So now peeing has nothing to do with it. If you do pee after sex, though, you might help yourself um, prevent a urinary tract infection just in case any bacteria got introduced into the urethra during sex, that the urine kind of washes it out. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, What else do I have for you? Um, Oh, what are some reasons that people might not get their period besides being pregnant? So, like, a lot of people being freaked out, like, oh, I'm not getting my period. What are the other reasons for that? So there's a lot of reasons. Um, one, we mentioned it already, hormonal contraception. So I don't know that everybody always understands or knows or it's explained to them that when you're on hormonal contraception, it can change your period. It could either go away. It could be lighter. It could be shorter. Some methods might give you shorter, heavier periods, but you should know that it's all, um, it all depends on the method you're using. Yeah. Um, another thing that might stop your period is um, a weight, a significant weight gain or a weight loss. Um, that might hold your period off as well. Getting sick. 
And I don't mean just like, oh, I have a cold, but like being majorly ill might throw your cycle off for a month or two. Stress. Our bodies, anybody's body, I I don't care what, whose body you have, our bodies are incredibly um, impacted by stress in our lives. So that could impact our menstrual cycle as well. Um, so we have to think about those things. And then the other thing that might mess you up, and especially if anybody is uh, joining us today who is in higher education in college, if you start living with other people who have a uterus. Yeah. So yep. say, you know, you're now living in an off-campus house with, you know, there's six of you together. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the period that you used to get like clockwork every th- 32 days is now every 28 days, or now it's every 35 days. That is actually a real phenomenon. Um, your bodies will start sinking, um, and it's pheromones. Our, our bodies are smelling things that we can't smell. Um, and it's, it's a, it, it's, I believe it's sort of like a, a leftover from when we were very different as a society, and yeah. our survival depended on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but our bodies will start sinking, and there's usually one person, one, like the alpha uterus in the pack who everybody sinks to. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it is real. And a lot of people experience that when they live away at college, when they join sports teams and you're spending five, six days a week, four or five hours a day with your team. Interesting. You, you will notice that can happen. Yeah. It I, won't happen to you if you're on hormonal contraception though. Interesting. Because you're protected. Because you're, the hormones are being, um, the hormones are being regulated in a very different way. I actually noticed that my freshman year of college, when I came home, my sister and my mom synced up to me. Yeah. They always, they always get annoyed when I'm, when I'm on my period and then I'm like around them, they're like, stay away from me. Like, you're going to give it to me. And I'm like, nope. Sorry. No, my dad used to complain. Um, I, you know, I have an old, a sister who's just 18 <clears throat> months older than me. And then my mom and even <laughs> our dog was a female and she had never been spayed. And at any given time, all three of all three of us, maybe four of the dog, we would have our periods. And my father would say, I can't win. Even the dog gets her period. Um, that is so So, funny. yeah, we could. Yep. No, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so my last question for you is, what advice would you give anybody who menstruates who's just, like, trying to, like, take good care of their um, like, reproductive birth control health? Like, what what would you mm-hmm. tell them about, like, just like getting good information and good access yeah. to care. You know what? I, I think that's it. Like you really need to find credible information. So, yeah. you know, there's lots of credible information online. Um, yeah. And there's also lots that's not. Um, if you have questions, you could always ask whoever your healthcare provider is. And I would hope that they would answer your questions and take the time to answer them. If you're here at Rutgers, if you're a Rutgers student and you're watching, you could always contact our office and um, uh, either I or one other person on my staff could sit with you and go through options with you and talk about it. You could also talk to the clinicians and student health. If you're thinking about contraception and you're not quite sure what is going to work for you, you can make an appointment for a consult to learn about the different methods that are available to you um, as, as a Rutgers student. And we do. We, we do implants. We do IUDs. Um, we can prescribe the pill for you. And I would also say have your first um, gynecological exam. But just know your first one, if you're 18 or 19, you don't necessarily have to have a pap smear. A lot of people are worried about it. Yeah. It's the recommendations have changed. Um, but also, if anything ever looks or seems off to you, 
So becoming familiar with your body is really important. If you ever have painful urination, painful sex, um, if there's burning, itching, if you see anything on your vulva, the vaginal lips, or even the area around it, um, any bumps, anything's itchy, any sores, please make an appointment with a healthcare provider. Um, If your period that was always super regular is now, you know, all over the map, make an appointment to see a healthcare provider. It it can't, it's, to me, it's always the best option. Find out. Don't wait. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. I'm glad I figured it out. I feel, I feel very accomplished today. You should feel accomplished. (laughs) Honestly, like this gets messed up more times than you think. So. Oh, I, no, I figured I'd be the one who'd mess it up. Trust me. Um, (laughs) But thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful. It was. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Mindflow with Joe. If you like what you heard, make sure to click the follow button and the notifications button on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. Also, remember to follow on Instagram at Pod, so you can let me know what kind of content you would like to hear more of. And lastly, don't forget to recommend a friend. Episodes will be released every other Thursday.